further to do, please help me welcome my guest, Bill Wees. Bill Wees, how are you doing tonight? Great. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah. Such a blessing to be with you. I'm so excited to share the Word of God and uh, very honored to be on your show. I'm so excited to have you on. I think I told you a little bit, but if some of you guys don't know, he has had a major impact on me. I got saved about 10 years ago in Modesto, California, a church that he visits visited regularly. And about a month after getting saved, he actually spoke at that church and I brought all my friends, I brought all my family and we just had revival. God awakened so many of my friends, so many of my party friends, so many of my family members were at that service running to the altar. And I'll just say are still serving God from that message you preached 10 years ago are still serving God to this day. So you've been a hero of mine. I'm so giddy. I'm like, I know you don't, you're not at all about celebrity preachers or none of that. But as a minister, as a preacher, I so look up to you. I so appreciate what God is doing with you. You know, especially with the issue of eternity. It's amazing how I think right now, so many people don't talk about eternity in the church. You talk about people plan a month long Disneyland vacation. They plan for weeks on where they're going to go and weeks, what hotel, weeks, what car they're going to get. And they plan all their vacations, but very few people build I really believe right now are planning for eternity. I mean, very few people in the chat, there's almost a thousand people watching are actually sitting down with their kids and say, I want to talk about where are we going forever? And so I believe right now we are in a global pandemic. We know this, but I believe now is the time to really blow that trumpet, to talk about eternity, to talk about hell, to talk about what Paul said in second Corinthians five ten, the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us are going to stand before guys, every one of you in the chat watching tonight, every one of you have one thing in common and that's every single one of us are going to stand before a holy God, Paul says, on that great day of judgment. And so this is so crucial. I don't know if there's a more important message than this message of eternity. And so welcome to the show. I'm going to turn it over to you. I would love for you to share your testimony, what God showed you, and and really that experience that you had. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah. Uh, Again, blessing to be with you. I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, I love your enthusiasm. So you know, anyway, but yes, just to give a quick background about myself, 30 seconds, maybe uh, I've been a real estate broker for 47 years. I've been a Christian for 50 years, uh, married for 23 years to a wonderful wife, Annette. And um, anyway, so uh, I've been in the real estate business. I've been a conservative person by nature, but uh, sold out to the word of God. I'm, I love the word. And um, anyway, so I had an experience, though, uh, on no- November 23rd, 1998. I had an experience that changed my life. And it doesn't matter if you believe my experience. What matters is that you check out what the word of God has to say and avoid hell just the same. And this was not a near-death experience that I had. This was an out-of-body experience that's classified as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. The Lord showed me that I left my body. And so in a vision, you can actually travel in your spirit body, like Paul and John actually traveled to heaven in their spirit body. This is not to compare my experience with any of the great men of the Bible. I'm just trying to give you a scriptural basis of how this can occur for a Christian. I've been a Christian for 50 years, and this happened in 1998. So I was a Christian then, but a Christian can travel in a in a spirit body. In Ezekiel chapter 8, he was traveled from Babylon to Jerusalem. He was told to eat. He experienced the sweetness of the food in his stomach. He wept, he conversed. So my point is you can experience the same things in your spirit body that you would in your physical body. And so that's what's happened to me. Job 7:14 says, you scare me with dreams and terrify me through visions. So you can have a terrifying vision. Isaiah 21, 2, he was given a grievous vision. And in Job 4, 14, Eliphaz had a vision that causes bones to shake. So you can have a grievous, terrifying, bone-shaking vision. So that's what this was. 
And I, you know, I had never had a vision before. I've never gone to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. And like I said, I've never had a vision before, but we went to a prayer meeting, my wife and I, that we attended every Sunday night. Nothing unusual about the night. I had never studied about hell. I was a Christian. I was glad I wasn't going there, but I didn't know much about it. We came home from the prayer meeting, went to bed like any other normal night. I got up at three o'clock in the morning just to get a glass of water. And suddenly I was pulled out of my body, like being drawn up out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel and it was getting hotter and hotter. And then I entered this open cavern-like area and I landed on a stone floor in a prison cell in hell. Rough-hewn stone walls, bars, uh, filthy, stinking, dirty prison, but like a dungeon. Now, I had no idea how I got there or why I was there, but I was fully awake and cognizant, just like I am now. And the heat was so far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered, why am I alive? How can I be alive still in this unbearable, like a blast furnace? And I, I was in this prison cell. But Isaiah 24, 22 says, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. Proverbs 7, 27 mentions going down to hell to the chambers of death. Chambers means inner rooms. Job 17, 16, they shall go down to the bars of the pit. And Jonah himself was at the gates of hell. So there is somebody in the Bible that actually saw hell, Jonah 2, 2 and some other verses. But the point is, this is where I first found myself face down on the floor in this dungeon. And, and Isaiah, the first thing I wanted to do was get up and run. I just, I wanted to get up and run out of this prison cell, but I had no physical strength in my body. I wondered what was wrong with me. I couldn't hardly move. But Isaiah 14, nine and 10 says, hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, art thou become weak as we? And Psalms 88, four says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. So one of the things you endure in hell is you're physically have no strength whatsoever in your body. Now I looked up at this moment and I saw these two demons in the cell. They were reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body, huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long. And these particular two were about 12 or 13 feet tall. That's not an exaggeration. There's scripture for that too. Genesis 6, 4, Deuteronomy 3, 11, some others indicate that. But they were pacing in the cell like a vicious caged animal. They had the most ferocious demeanor about them, and they had an extreme hatred for God and for man, and they were blaspheming God. Now, I know blasphemy comes from the demonic realm, Revelation 13, 6, James 2, 7, and some others. And then they directed this hatred they had for God they did towards me. I wondered why, what have I done to them? But the one demon picked me up and threw me into the wall of this prison cell. I hit the wall, bone, I felt like every bone in my body had broken. Now, I know a spirit doesn't have bones, but it felt like that. I hit, I hit the floor. I wondered, why am I still alive through this? I should be dead. This other demon grabbed me then and picked me up and dug its claws in my chest and just tore the flesh open. Again, I'm wondering, how could I live through this? Now, I have to explain one thing, Isaiah. I only felt a small amount of the pain. I understood most of it was being blocked. The Lord explained on the way back that he blocked most of it, thank God, but he allowed me to feel a small amount so I could relate to people. It's not metaphorical pain. It's literal pain you're going to feel in hell. And I, the amount I felt was enough. But I noticed when he tore the flesh open, there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. It was just all dry. But um, Leviticus 17, 11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9, 11 says thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water. And you do have a body. Matthew 10, 28 mentions, he says, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
And remember Luke 16, the rich man, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He was tormented in the flame. He had a mouth to speak. He had a tongue. He had eyes to lift. So you have a spirit body in hell, but it withstands these torments. You want to die, but you can't. And about this time, it went dark. Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see. But then he withdrew his light and it resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. But see, Lamentations 3.6 says, He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Jude 13 mentions blackness of darkness forever. But I mean, it was so dark, you could literally feel the darkness. That's not an exaggeration. Exodus 10.21 mentions a darkness that may be felt. And you cannot see the hand in front of your face. I was taken out of this prison cell. I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. This pit was about a mile across. I just understood that. And there were flames raging high up in this open cavern. I mean, a pit a mile across with flames. You can't believe how the sight of what that looks like. And this is where I could first see people, Isaiah. There were thousands of people inside this pit burning. I saw them burning. They were, it was like um, skeletons. There was just flesh hanging off their bones. You could not distinguish a man from a woman. And the screams were so loud and deafening. You want to get away from the screams, but you can't. You have to endure that for all eternity. But, you know, Isaiah 32, 18 says, my people dwell in a quiet resting place. You're not his people. So you don't derive the benefit of quiet. And uh, Isaiah 57, 21 says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no peace of mind of any kind. You hear these screams forever and ever. And, um, you know, I, I, I understood I was down deep in the earth. I had that understanding. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. But more importantly, there's 49 scriptures that talk about where the current hell is located. Uh, I'll just give you two. Ezekiel 26, 20, number 16, 32 and 33. Very clear. It's down deep in the earth. But I knew that. I understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. But remember, Jesus said, Matthew 23, 14, you shall receive the greater damnation. Well, that infers a lesser. Or Matthew 10, 15, he said, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That infers a less tolerable. Hebrews 10, 28 says, how much worse of a punishment suppose it shall be for you, you who have trodden underfoot the son of God. There's a worse punishment. But my point is, there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any level is far worse than you can ever imagine. And I thought about my wife up on the earth. I wanted to see her. I wanted to tell her goodbye. I, I knew I would never get that opportunity. Job 7, 9 says, he that goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. And you don't realize how tormenting a thought that is, that you can never have any finality with your family or your loved ones. They don't know that you still exist. See, death does not mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God. You still exist. And, and not be able to say goodbye. And they don't know that you still are alive down here in this place of torment. That thought alone is tormenting. And you want to talk to a person, just anybody, but you're kept isolated from people. Even though I saw all those people in the pit, they're kept at a distance and you never have any conversation. You're just isolated, alone, and by yourself for all eternity. You have no purpose, no destiny. It's just a useless wasting away. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says there's no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the current hell. Uh, you have, um, you're, it doesn't matter if you're somebody famous here. No one would know who you are there. You have no identity. Ecclesiastes 6.4 says your name is covered in darkness and you're forgotten in hell. Psalms 88.12, Isaiah 26.14. No one's thinking about you. I mean, do you think about somebody in hell right now? Most of us don't. And, you know, even if you go to a funeral today, no matter what the religion, it's usually stated, well, they've gone to a better place. But that's not the case for most. 
Jesus said in Matthew 7, many are going to hell and few are going to heaven. Uh, you have no physical strength. You have uh, you need to sleep in hell. You never get to go to sleep here like we need sleep, right? Well, I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks without going to sleep. And you can imagine what that feels like to have no rest of any kind. But see, Revelation 14, 10 and 11 says, and they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the lamb and in the presence of the holy angels. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. You can't rest at all. But see, Isaiah 57, 20 says the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. But see, rest is a blessing from God. Psalms 127, 2 said the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Well, you're not his beloved, so you don't get to ever enjoy sleep. You're completely physically exhausted and you can't ever rest your eyes. And uh, I was standing next to this big pit of uh, fire and along the, there was cavern walls along the edges and all along the walls were demons lined up along the walls. I could only see through the flames just a little bit. It didn't light up like a pit a mile across here on the earth would light up a big area. But in hell, it is so dark, it consumes the light. And but I could only see along the edges and there were demons of all different sizes and shapes, twisted, deformed, grotesque, the most hideous creatures you can't even imagine. Some were only two and three feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall, twisted and deformed. And there were snakes crawling all over everything. And I noticed I was standing on a bed of maggots, solid maggots, and they were crawling all over everybody. Remember, Jesus said, where their, their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And the word uh, worm there is the word maggot. And Isaiah 14, 11 says, where the maggot will be spread under thee and the worm will cover thee. So that's literal maggots crawling all over everybody. I mean, and Job 24, 20 says, the maggot will feed sweetly on thee. I mean, is that disgusting enough? And, um, you know, the fear level that you're experiencing in hell, you know, Many people have gone through some kind of fear, but I just want to share with you an experience I had so you can relate and get grasp a little bit of this fear that you have to endure forever. I used to surf a lot when I was a teenager. I was 17 years old surfing off Cocoa Beach, Florida, about 100 guys out that day having a great time. Well, the guy next to me got his leg torn off, sharks all over the water, blood everywhere. And so a shark came by and passed by my board. I was on a nine foot board. He passed. He was longer than my board, came back, bit my board in half. Now I'm in the water and the shark came back and grabbed my leg and pulled me down under the water. It was a tiger shark. If you know anything about tiger sharks, they're vicious. They don't let you go. And well, you can imagine the fear that I had at that moment. There's not much more fearful in life than that. But I can tell you that fear that I experienced then paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. It wouldn't even register. But see, Psalm 73, 18 and 19 says, you cast them down into destruction where they are utterly consumed with terror. And this terror is for all eternity. Now, praise God, the shark, this is a miracle. The shark opened his mouth and let me go. And I didn't even have a mark in my leg. That is impossible. God was looking out for me then. You know, and I was not even a Christian. That shows how good God is. You know, we serve a good and a loving God. Praise the Lord. Well, I got saved immediately after that experience. And I've been serving the God ever since. And I am so grateful for my life and that I have an opportunity to share the word of God with people. And that's what I want all Christians to get out of this experience. You know, when I was looking at all this horror and people being tormented, uh, something grabbed me and started pulling me up this dark tunnel. Now, right then, this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. There's no doubt in your mind when Jesus shows up.
I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a bright light. I could see his outline. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said, I am. And when he said, I am, Isaiah, I went out. I don't know if I died or passed out. I can't explain it. But he, after a time, he touched me. Did you know, uh, John, in Revelation, uh, in chapter one, he said, when he saw him, his countenance was bright as the sun, and I fell at his feet as one dead. And uh, so that's what happened to me. I fell at his feet as one dead, uh, but he touched me. I came to, and you know, it hit me so strongly, even though I had been a Christian for 28 years at that point, I realized at his feet that if he wouldn't have gone to the cross, I would be in that place for all eternity. I just want to thank him over and over. I, I just didn't want to ask him any questions. I just said, thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I don't have to go to that horrible place. I was so grateful. I didn't want to ask him any questions, but thoughts started coming to my mind and he would answer my thoughts. Psalms 139.2 says he answered our thoughts afar off. And I thought, Lord, why'd you send me to this horrible place? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. Now that statement surprised me because I thought all Christians believe in hell. But we have found out since many Christians believe in uh, annihilationism, which is a teaching that says you simply cease to exist if you deny Jesus. Many Christians believe that. Or universalism, that's a teaching that says everybody gets saved eventually. You might go to hell for a little while, but you get saved out of it. That's a false teaching. Uh, some believe in soul sleep, another false teaching. And um, so... He wanted me to point people to the scripture. That's what I'm doing is showing you that it's the word of God. And it's not my experience. It's important for you to believe. I said, Lord, why, why did those demons hate me so much? He said, because you're made in my image and they hate me. Remember Jesus said in John 15, 18, they hated me before they hated you. Well, demons hate God, but they can't hurt him. But they can hurt his creation. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So we serve a good God that came to give us life. And the devil is the one that does all the destruction, the sickness, the wick, the disease on the earth, and all the pestilence. And all those things come from the demonic realm. And uh, thank God we serve a good God. I said, Lord, why did you choose me? But he didn't give me an answer. So I have no idea why he picked me. I'm the least likely. I was not a Billy Graham. I just was a realtor going to work every day like the rest of us. I did love the word of God. I've always uh, honored the word of God, but he didn't give me an answer. And I said, Lord, why didn't I know you? I didn't explain to you that it was blocked from my mind that I was a Christian. He hid that fact from me. And you say, where's that in the Bible, Bill? In Luke 24, 16, when Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says their eyes were holding that they should not know him. John MacArthur's commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary point out that, quote, they were kept by God from recognizing him. God hid it from their mind. And he hid it from my mind for this reason. You see, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't know, I would have said, praise God, he's getting me out of here. I would have known that because as Christians, we know our destiny is heaven. So he wanted me to feel what they feel, hopelessness. See, Isaiah 38, 18 says, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They have no hope for him because it's too late. And see, that's the worst part of hell is understanding you will never get out. See, here we can, maybe we think of time as a timeline, that there's a beginning and an end. But in hell, you can grasp it. There'll be no end. A hundred million years will go by. There's no one coming to rescue you. You'll never get out of this place. 
That's why this decision is so important and people slough it off and think it's a joke and they laugh about hell or, or think, oh, I'll think about that later. And then they, they're killed suddenly. They don't have the chance to, to repent, you know, and so hell is eternal and you will not get out of this place, but you have an opportunity right now. People can receive Jesus now. I thought I went above the earth. We came out of this. Uh, we were in this whirlwind tunnel coming out of hell. And the, the tunnel extended above the earth. And then I looked back and I could see the earth from space. It was awesome to see the earth from space. I don't know how you wouldn't get saved. I, I, most astronauts I've heard gotten saved when they go up and they see God's glorious creation hung on nothing. Job 26, seven says he hangs the earth on nothing. It's like, what's holding it up? What's making it turn so perfectly at a thousand miles an hour, not varying and the oceans, not spilling onto the land. And all those thoughts were going through my mind, the awesomeness of God. And I was enjoying that. And I looked out at the space, at the universe and how vast it is. And that all the billions and trillions of stars. And he has, he's named every one of them, a name for everyone. And he's in control of all of it. I thought about all the people on the earth, the 7 billion people that he knows every thought that's going on and every hair on our head. I thought we serve a big God. And I was enjoying all that about God. But then he had me look back at this tunnel we just came out of. And people were falling one after another, after another, back down in the hell. And he actually wept when he saw these people falling in the hell. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And he wanted me to go and tell people, warn them, there really is a hell. But it's not his desire that anybody go there. But as Christians, we've been given the privilege, the honor to share the gospel with people so they don't have to go. And when we came back up on the earth, I, I quickly onto my home and I stopped above my home and I could see through the roof and I saw my body lying on the floor. It's the strangest thing to be outside your body. You think that's not me. The real me is the spirit man. And I looked at it and it looked just like you would look at your car. It's a vehicle to get you around in life, but it's not you. The real you is the spirit man. And uh, then I saw a puff of smoke go up. I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's your life. Vapor, James 4.14, life is but a vapor. I thought it's over that fast compared to eternity. Your life goes by just like that, even if you live a hundred years. I thought, Lord, it's so short. He said, yes, but what you do for me during that short time, I will count for all eternity. Wow, that gave me a new overall eternal perspective. What's really important in life is to serve God with all your heart, do everything you can, witness to people, bring as many people as you can to heaven because this time is short. And uh, that's what that I could see that with that short vapor uh, and so forth. But, you know, if anybody could see hell for five seconds, it would change their life. And I've talked to many other people that have had a vision of hell or near death experience of hell. I'm not the only one, many others. And each one of them, it changed their life. And most of them are in the ministry today because you can't see hell and just go back to normal. When you see how horrendous it is and think we've been given the privilege to maybe say something to somebody that will keep them out of this place and get them to go to heaven. And uh, so it gives you that desire, that passion to preach the word of God with people. You know, my wife and I, we both had real estate careers. We were making a half a million dollars a year, doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, we were called, we shared it with one person, this experience. I shared it with my best friend and he asked me to come to his Bible study. I said, no, I don't want to go. 
Well, he talked me into it after three months. I went reluctantly, but then it spread from there. It began going all over the nation and uh, I would go reluctantly, but we paid our own way for seven years. We never took one penny from anybody because of the importance of this message. I don't want anybody to say he's doing it for the money. No, we paid our own way to get this across to people. And uh, we left our careers. We're full-time in the ministry uh, speaking and we have Soul Choice Ministries and we've seen thousands and thousands of people commit their lives to the Lord. And there's nothing more exciting than that to see a person give their heart to Jesus. And uh, he's called us all to do that. But you know, this place exists, it's real, it's eternal. And you know, a lot of churches aren't teaching the truth about hell. They've downplayed it. They've said it's not eternal. Uh, you know, there's been a compromise on the word of God and the word of God is clear. I could give you, I could quote you now 20 scriptures right now that Jesus gave about hell being eternal. Uh, he gave 46 verses. He talked about hell. I could quote them all to you and uh, convince you of this, but it's in the Bible. That's what's important for you to check out what Jesus said. Hell is real. It's eternal. You do not want to go there. And uh, that's what my wife and I've been doing, sharing the word. So Bill, yeah. what a powerful, I'm, I'm the whole time you're speaking, I'm shaking. And I know there's people in the chat. I've been reading the chat as you've been speaking and there's, I was going to do the Q and a, and then the prayer, but here's what we're going to do because there's so many people in the chat that are like, I need Jesus right now. I need yeah. this right now. And there's a lot of people that are saying they're crying. There's a uh, 1200 people watching and there's, we're literally getting hundreds of comments of people crying and people getting touched, obviously because the internet, we can't see them, but here nor there, they're getting touched right now. So I would like to do, let us pray for them. And then after guys, as we pray yeah. we're going to take about 20 to 30 minutes and do a bunch of q a i'm going to give them a bunch of questions that some of you are asking but let's first pray because i feel the anointing is moving i feel the presence of god is moving i don't want to quench yeah. what god is doing right now so if you would if you would lead them in prayer and then after you pray i'll just pray a baptism of the holy spirit and fire over them and then we can do the yeah. q a after if you're okay with that absolutely absolutely awesome you know revelation 2015 says whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire god actually has a book and he's going to look to see if your name's in that book. And it's your choice. He gives you, because he loves us, he gives us a free will to choose. And so I urge you right now to say this prayer with me, if that's you. If you want to know, you can have assurance that your name is in his book right now by saying this prayer and committing your life to him. And I'm not talking about just a lighthearted thing where you just go live your own life and do your own thing. This is full commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, he gave his life for us. We give our life back to him. And that's what this means. So uh, I'm going to say this prayer and you just repeat this after me. If you're ready to do this, and please don't take a chance with your soul. Your soul is eternal. Whether you believe it or not, you will spend it in one place or the other. And heaven is not our default destination. There needs to be a purposeful act on our part in order to enter heaven. So say this prayer with me. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that I've sinned and I cannot save myself. I am sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart. I know you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, that he was crucified, died and was buried, and rose again from the dead. Please, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn to you. I want to follow you. I commit my life to you right now. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. Thank you for going to the cross and for shedding your blood in my place. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I now confess, I am a born again Christian going to heaven and I will serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name. 
Amen. You know, there's many people, Bill, Amen. right now saying they're coming back to the Lord. There's a, I've, I've already read 10 comments that say, Lord, I'm coming back to you tonight. This was a sign to me. And I really believe, I was just reading Acts recently where Paul came and they heard the, the gospel. And Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit, the baptism? And they said, what's the Holy Spirit? They had no clue. Right. And I think a lot of believers in the American church, they hear the gospel, they pray the prayer, but they never step into the power of the Holy Spirit walking in their calling. I mean, as you're speaking, guys, some of you are writing saying, why am I? crying why am i shaking you have to know it's not just the scriptures and the story it's the anointing of the holy spirit and it's the power of the holy spirit that is touching you even right now and so i want to pray over you guys listen if you want to be baptized in the holy spirit and power jesus said wait in jerusalem until the holy spirit comes upon you you can't do what i've called you to do without the empowerment of the holy spirit so if you want this you say isaiah i want this jesus said if you being evil know how to give good gifts how much more does your heavenly father want to give the holy spirit to them that ask i'm telling Telling you guys I was raised in church and I until I had that encounter with the Holy Spirit until I had that baptism I didn't even believe in it and so I believe tonight God wants to save and baptize you in power he wants to use you as a vehicle and a vessel of healing of deliverance of preaching the gospel of doing the work of the ministry so just right now if you're the, if that's you I just want you to put your hands out I'm just gonna pray over you father we thank you for your power we thank you for your anointing we thank you that your word you said that you must go so that you can send the helper which is the Holy Spirit father we thank you that acts 1 8 says that when the Holy Spirit comes we receive power and that God, if there's ever been a time that we need your power, we need it tonight. So Father, we ask right now over every person watching, every person listening, every person in their car, every person at home, wherever you are, I pray the fire of the Holy Spirit. I pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John says that I baptize in water, but one comes greater whose sandals I'm unworthy to untie, who baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. And so I pray that baptism over you now. I pray tongues of fire would rest upon you. I pray right now rivers of living water, the Bible says, will be flowing out of you so father right now we are asking we are your children we're not beggars we're believers and we are just asking for the baptism of the holy spirit and i feel like the holy spirit is saying some of you have need to get rebaptized. some of you haven't gotten baptized or touched by god in years and god is saying tonight i want to baptize you afresh so father we ask not just for those new ones that you're baptizing now but father we pray for all of those that have been dry that have been complacent that have been apathetic their faith has been idle lord that they're in complacency and lukewarmness we pray the fire and the anointing of the holy spirit and the baptism of the holy spirit over you now i hear the spirit saying it's time for you to come home the prodigals that have been running this has been your message tonight god is calling you home you are not on this broadcast by accident it is not an accident that bill Weeze is on here tonight sharing with all of you this is by divine appointment before the foundations of the world god planned this night and god is saying i'm calling you the trumpet is sounding and i'm calling calling you back i'm calling you home in jesus name amen thank you jesus man what how what a powerful time i feel the presence of god so strongly bill i would love to just ask you some questions if you don't mind some questions that people have been oh. typing some questions that you know you've heard probably all throughout your travels in the in the years that you've been traveling but the first thing i want to ask i know a lot of people want to know this a lot of people are asking this in the chat you know atheists always think they're going to stump us with this but how could a loving god send people to hell wouldn't god sending people to hell make god not loving well, first of all, God proved his love by suffering a horrible death on the cross to keep us out. So be careful by saying that he's mean. Mm. This is the same God that suffered horribly so you could stay out. But, you know, it's not his decision if people go to hell. He left that decision up to man. 
He gives us a free will because he loves us. He gives us that free will to choose, you know, and then in Revelation 21, uh, eight says all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. So there's the warning. He just told you, if you don't believe his word, that Jesus is the only way, as Jesus said in John 14, six, if you don't believe that, then you send your health yourself to hell because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, your own words will condemn you because you said, I don't believe that Jesus is the only way when he said he was the only way. So it's not God sending you, you send yourself, you condemn yourself with your own words. And God proved himself by he proved his love for you by dying on a cross. What more would you want him to do? Wow. I, you know, I mean, how can people say he's not loving? I mean, can you imagine the God of the universe comes down, becomes a man wow. and is spit on and beaten and tortured and everything. So a person doesn't have to go. He gives him a free will to choose. And people don't like that. They don't like it that it, uh, it's their uh, choice. You know, they don't want to be accountable for their decision. You know, here a lot of the liberals scream pro-choice, pro-choice. Well, here's an area God gives you pro-choice and then people don't like it and complain. You know, it's, you're accountable for your decision. You don't have to go there. No one has to go there. That's so His good. Arms That's so good. I wanted to ask you, I know you talked a little bit about it, but I know a lot of people ask this. I, I believe because the Bible says it and, you, and I've heard you speak on this, but is hell a literal place in the center of the earth? Yes, it is. You know, in uh, Ezekiel 26, 20 and number 1632, number 1632 says the earth opened her mouth and swallowed all the men of Korah alive. And they all went down alive into the pit. And the word pit there is the word Sheol, actually, the current hell. So that's an actual place. And then Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, not in hell, but he went and took the keys and took the people out of Abraham's bosom. And then, um, you know, in Luke uh, 16, it talks about a great gulf fixed, and there was a, it was separated by a gulf fixed, heaven and hell back then, at the paradise side and the torment side. And Jesus went and took the people in the paradise side out, and he ascended out, ascended above, out of the earth. But um, it's a literal place, uh, Ezekiel 26, 20, uh, Isaiah 14, 9, Isaiah 5, 14, Psalm 63, 9, Psalms 55, 15, Proverbs 15, 24, Amos 9, 2. All these places say it's they descended into the lower parts of the earth. Hell from beneath is moved and so forth. So it's real clear in the scriptures that it's down beneath the earth and it's a physical place. Wow. Uh, so here's another one. How does 70 years of sin deserve an eternity in hell? Well, there's two parts of that answer, two aspects. The first part is it's deserving because we have to realize who we've sinned against. Mm. And Thomas Aquinas said this. He was considered the greatest theologian of the medieval church. And he said, the higher the position the one sinned against, the graver the sin. In other words, if I lie to you, it'd be wrong. But if I lie to the Supreme Court, it would be worse because of their position. If I punch my brother in the stomach, it'd be wrong. But if I punch my mother in the stomach, that'd be worse because of her position. Well, God is infinitely greater in position, but he's also infinitely greater in being. If I step on a bug and kill it, it's no big deal, even though it's life. But if I kill a dog or a cat, say your pet, that would be worse, deserving of some kind of punishment. But if I kill a human being, that'd be far worse, deserving of a much greater punishment. Well, God is infinitely greater in position and in being. And so we've sinned against a holy, omnipotent, perfect, eternal, almighty God. Therefore, our sin is deserving of eternal punishment. But also time is a wrong premise. People think, can't God let them out of hell after a time? And they equate a prison sentence with that. But see, time would be the wrong premise. Because say if you spent two, 300, 500 years in hell, 
and you said, I paid off my skin, my sin. Well, that'd be works. And we're saved by grace, not by works. So time is the wrong premise. Number two, time would never work because our time is not valuable enough to pay for sins. Only the shed blood of Jesus is valuable enough to pay for sins, Hebrews 9.22. So, and then uh, also because of, there's no, we have to be saved by faith through the word of God. You're not saved by time and hell. You're saved by uh, faith in the word of God and what Jesus did on the cross. So he can't violate his word and then take someone out of hell because you still have your fallen nature and he has to give us a new nature. And our new nature only comes through our trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Then he gives us a new heart and new spirit. We can't earn it. So time is a wrong premise every which way. And that, so it is deserving of eternal punishment because of who we sinned against. These are so good. I know I know you can't see the chat now, but there's literally hundreds of people that are going, wow, this is so great. And not only that, but I think what you're saying too, and people in the chat are saying this as well, this is also training and equipping because we have family, we have friends, our communities are bent against God. The Bible says the world there, they may, they've made themselves enemies to God. They've we In our own nature, our own flesh, we hate the things of God. And so the Bible says there, it's foolishness and even you answering these i'm thinking this is ammo this is equipping this is training for us to be able to properly biblically give an answer as the bible says we should to these people and you know see god like i said he can't take you out of hell because you still have your fallen nature and he can't take you to heaven because revelation 21 27 says he'll let nothing in heaven that defiles or corrupts wow. we would corrupt it and make a mess of heaven just like we have the earth in our fallen nature he has to give us that new nature and again that doesn't come through good works You'll never get it from that. You only get it by his, your trust in the in the risen Savior. And so that's why he cannot take someone out of hell and place them into heaven. They have their fallen nature still. So good. So I have another one here. I actually got this one from one of your books. It, and it's something that p many people heard. Probably most people in the chat have heard somebody at some point say this. I know I have. You Christians are narrow-minded. Isn't there more than one way to heaven? Yeah, I've heard that many times. But first of all, this is not narrow-minded. God's arms are open to all. Mm. Any, everyone that comes to him can get saved. So how is that narrow? But as far as being only one way, it is because there's only one person that died for our sins and rose from the dead. No other religious leader has given their life, died, and rose from the dead. So he has a right to say there's only one way, his way. You want to live at his house, you do it his way. And the only the reason it's only one way is because he shed his blood to wash away our sins. You know, we're accountable for sin. Sin we has to be punished. Well, only Jesus paid that punishment for us. No one else did. So he said, if you trust in what I did for you on the cross, if you trust in the work of the cross and not your own works, Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Then he considers our trust as if we were righteous as if we were perfect. And then he washes away our sins and he gives us a new nature. You see, God's nature and man's nature is not compatible. Uh, it says God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12, 29 and Nahum 1, 5. In other words, we would be consumed at God's presence because his nature is different. It's like if I stuck my hand into the fire to retrieve something and the fire burned my hand, I wouldn't say, why'd that fire burn me? That was mean of that fire. No, I wouldn't say that because the nature of the fire is to burn. My hand and fire are not compatible. Well, neither is a holy God and sinful man compatible. He has to give us a new nature. Can you see that? So he does by our trust in the cross.
so good so good i'm getting so blessed right now i'm getting rocked right now so here's another the next question i have for you a couple people have asked this do we have a body in hell or are we a spirit or you know what would be your insight on that as far as our our physical bodies yeah can i go back to one more point and to, to answer that one way, absolutely one way thing? because some people really struggle with this one way there is an analogy that might help too you know if you invited me over to dinner to your home and you said bill go south on 995 turn right at main street go up the hill you come to my house but that's the only way to get to my house. And I say to you, you know what? I think I'm going to go north on 95. I'm going to get off at Beach Boulevard because I think all roads lead to your house. You say, Bill, you're not going to get to my house. There's only one way. Well, the same way God gives us clear directions to his house. I think God knows where he lives. All we have to do is follow his clear directions and we will get there. That's not narrow minded. That's specific. He's trying to get us to his house, not keep us out. So I think that analogy might help people so understand. Good. I'm going to use that. No, so and most good. things in life, Isaiah. Most things in life work only one way correctly. If you're going to fly a plane, you got to have the law of thrust, and the wing has to be configured a certain size. You got to have the right amount of speed and so forth to get that law of lift to operate. It works only one way, and most surgeries that you go for, they only work one way correctly. And and we are used to one way for everything else. Why do people fight it when God says there's one way? You know. And so Absolutely. anyway, but go back on your question. I'm sorry. Jump yeah, no, that was, that was, I'm so glad you gave that so good because I know a lot of people are going to be able to use that. Everyone, uh, just so you know, there's hundreds of comments coming as you're talking. Everyone's saying, this is so good. It's such a good analogy that they're going to use it. So I'll just give you some feedback here with some of these comments. And, but this is just so on point, so powerful. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions was, do we have a body in hell or are we a spirit as far as like what you experienced? Right. We have a spirit body. First Corinthians 15, 44 talks about a natural body and a spirit body. So we do have a body, but it's some kind it's a spirit because it, it lasts forever. It doesn't uh, get destroyed. You know, just like the burning bush didn't burn up. The body in hell doesn't burn up. And uh, Luke 16, the rich man that Jesus talked about was in hell in torment in the flames. He had a tongue. He spoke. Uh, he had eyes that he lifted. So you have a body and it looks the same, but it's, it's a spirit body. So yes, you do have a body. Wow, so good. So oh, here's yeah. another one. Um, and I've heard, we've heard this again. These are very, very common questions. Isn't preaching hell a scare tactic? Didn't Jesus preach love and acceptance? And I know a lot of people say that, not even just in the world, but also in the church. Right. Right. Well, first of all, Jesus talked about hell in 46 verses. But number one, um, he didn't preach love and acceptance. He, re he preached repentance and obedience. The first word out of his mouth was in Matthew 4, 17. He said, repent. That was the first word out of Jesus' mouth. And John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, the word, first word out of his mouth was repent. So, and Jesus said to the Mary Magdalene and the man at the pool of Bethesda, he said, go and sin no more. At least the worst thing come upon you. So he told, he preached about no sin, avoid sin, and he pre preached repentance. Now, of course, he preached love. But it wasn't just love and acceptance of everybody's belief. No, he confronted the Pharisees when they were uh, they were religious leaders and they were wrong and so forth. He confronted the evil, wickedness, and so forth. He stood up to it. So he preached repentance and obedience. So good. So, so good. So I heard this one a bunch even in the chat as you were speaking earlier. What about the person that's in a remote jungle who never heard of Jesus? All right. Uh, and... I forgot one more point yeah, I want to make. It. Yeah, go for it. Uh, you know, as far as scare tactics, you know, it, the, the message of hell is actually a message of love because it's a message of warning. 
That's a message of love. You know, nine years ago, we saw Hurricane Ike. Nine or 10 years ago, Hurricane Ike hit the Gulf Coast. And the front page of a CNN said, certain death to those who don't vacate. Now, you wouldn't say the writers of that article were mean for issuing that statement. No, you'd be grateful for the warning. The same way God's given us a clear warning that to get out of the way of the storm, get out of the way of the road that people are on the hell. So that's a loving message, number one. So hell isn't preaching uh, scare, but also... Jude 23 says some are uh, saved through fear, pulling them out of the fire. So you can be scared out of it. And that's fine too. It's so, really a message of love. So good. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. But go back to the question about yeah, so the man. What, what about, yeah, what about the person that's in a remote jungle who's never heard about Jesus? Okay. okay a couple points there. Number one, Romans 1 says all of man is accountable because of creation. You know, the evidence of design is overwhelming. If we look at the human body, how remarkable it's made, the um, animal kingdom, a baby being born, the plant life, the ocean life, the microscopic world, the universe, the order. Well, that points to a designer. There has to be a designer. So God says, I hold everybody accountable because I've made it obvious and evident in creation that there's a designer. So if that person in the remote jungle would just say, who made all this? If they just show one ounce of humility and say, who are you, God? Then God will find a way to get through that man. Either he'll get him a Bible and the, the written word tells you how to stay out of hell and how to get to heaven. He'll get him a Bible. He'll send a missionary or a CD, a DVD, television, radio, internet. He'll get across to that man in the jungle. Or um, he's given man a conscience, number one, to know right from wrong. Uh, Romans 2.15 and John 8.9 says we have a conscience to know right from wrong, good from evil. So in our hearts, we know that there's good and evil, there's a God. And then he's put uh, eternity in man's heart, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11. So man knows he's an eternal being. So if he just says, I've got to know where I'm going, that's in man's heart already to know. And then there's a scripture in Job 33 that says he'll even give man dreams and visions to keep back that his soul from the pit. So that man, if he cries out to God, God will give him a dream or vision about Jesus Christ and how to stay out of hell. If he just shows an ounce of humility. But also these scriptures point that we are accountable everywhere. Uh, you know, 1 John 5, 19 says the whole world lies in wickedness. Whole world. So that's a problem. And Psalms 9, 17 says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. That concludes everybody. And then Acts 17, 30 says God commands all men everywhere to repent. So repentance is a requirement for salvation. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, unless a man repent, you shall all likewise perish. So repentance is a requirement. John 5, 23, Jesus said, all men should honor the son. John 8, 24, you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. John 3, 36 says, he that believes in the son has everlasting life. He that believes not on the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You have to know the son to be saved. So God holds every person accountable everywhere, but he's merciful and loving. He will find a way to get through to that person. Like I said, if they just show a little bit of humility. So good. Here's my next one. Why aren't the demons themselves in torment in hell? Well, in Matthew 8, 29, Jesus went to cast out a devil and the demon said to him, have you come to torment us before the time? Well, that indicated that the demons are not in full torment yet. What time was the demon talking about? Revelation 20:10, when Satan and his demons are cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. So most of the commentaries agree that the demons are in only partial torment now, and they'll be in full torment later at Judgment Day. 
but they are in hell because Isaiah 14, uh, 12 says Saint Lucifer was cast down to Sheol, to the current hell. And uh, so there's demons in the same place that man goes to, and there's no angels to protect you. So they can torment you, but they will themselves be in full torment at judgment day. Wow. So, so, so good. Here, here's a, another good one. Is it fair for someone to live a, how is it fair for someone to live a wicked life and then at the last moment get saved? Well, you don't know that you're going to get saved at the last moment if you live a wicked life. Number one, you know, and you take that chance and you, and you don't repent and receive Jesus, you're going to hell. But that just shows how loving and our, our God is. The thief on the cross at the last moment, he called out and Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. So see, because it's not based on good works, we think of, oh, a person lived a good life all their life, and this one lived a bad life. doesn't matter. None of us, we all need a savior. No matter how good we are, we can't be good enough. So the good has nothing to do with the equation. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. As you call out on him, he's so loving, he will save a person on their last breath. That's how he's trying to keep people out of hell. We serve a good God. So, great so, so good. Um, here's another really good one. I'm a good person. Doesn't God consider my heart? Well, thank God he doesn't consider our heart because uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Ecclesiastes 9, 3 says uh, that madness and evil is in man's heart. Madness even. Now, that's what man's heart is like without God. And Proverbs 28, I think 26 says that he that trusts in his heart is a fool. So because our heart is wicked, who can know it? God has to give us a new heart. Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel 18, and Ezekiel 36 says he gives a new heart and a new spirit because our heart is wicked. So you cannot rely on your heart. It can be deceived. You can believe lies and so forth. So you don't want to rely on your heart. You want to rely on the word of God and repenting of your sin. So good. Um, here's a here's a good one. I've heard this many times. Isn't everyone's isn't everyone God's child? Well, that's a good question. Uh, no, they're not. Uh, Galatians three twenty six, John one twelve, John eight forty four, Romans nine seven and eight, John seventeen nine, uh, Ephesians one five, Ephesians five one. All explain that He's your Creator. He's not your Father until you invite in Jesus as your Savior. Then He becomes your Father. See, so not the people going to hell are not his children. Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. So see, there's two fathers and people don't realize that. If you don't repent and receive Jesus, he's not your father. The devil is actually your father. And you might not know that, but that's the truth. So the people that are going to hell, they've rejected the father, God. So then their father is the father, the devil. So good. You, you were just... God has given you so much wisdom. You're a walking Bible. I'm sure you've heard that a thousand times, but I'm just blown away by every, and that's one thing, even with your story, people can try to argue, debate all they want, but literally everything you say is you have a scripture verse more, more than one. Usually it's about four to five, but it's all backed up by the word of God. And so it really does leave out, you know, there's no room for people to say anything because there's scriptures through all this. And I think most people have never really searched out the scripture in this area. And man, God has just anointed you. You're so prolific in the scripture. I want to ask you one more here before I let you go. I, first of all, I appreciate you being on here. I know we're about an hour. We've been together for about an hour and a half, but I really value your time and appreciate you. I'm going to ask you one more here is the five Fire in oh, hell real or is it a metaphorical fire? 
uh, it's real fire. You know, in Revelation 9, too, when the bottomless pit is opened, uh, it says there a great smoke arose out of the bottomless pit and our air and sky were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Well, it couldn't have been a metaphorical fire to produce real smoke that darkened our sky. Wow. So, and, and uh, this, the pit is down deep in the earth. And also in Luke 16, when the rich man, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He was tormented in the flame. Well, if it was just flames of mental anguish, why would water suffice? No, he want, it's real fire. Psalms 11:6 6 says, upon the wicked, he will rain fire and brimstone in a horrible tempest. Psalms 140 verse 10 says, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits. Matthew 13, 49, the angels so sever the wicked from the just and cast the wicked in the furnace of fire. And Jesus said in John 15, 6, he said, uh, just as men gather branches that are withered uh, and thrown into the fire, so shall it be. They are thrown into the fire and burned talking about the wicked in the last days and going into hell. So just as you're throwing a branch into the fire, he compared that to throwing a person into the fire. And I could give you, there's many more scriptures on real fire, Deuteronomy 32, 22, and many other verses talk about fire of hell. And uh, it's real. It's literal. It, it, you feel the heat. I saw it. I saw the flames. And, you know, it's not metaphorical like some people try to make it uh, metaphorical. The parable of the tares and the, um, the wheat and the tares is very clear. All the figures of that parable, uh, the uh, reapers are the angels. The, wor the field is the world. The word, the, the word is the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. They're all literal figures. And then it says they're thrown into the fire and burned. So why would the fire not be literal just like the other figures are also? So yes, it's, it's literal. So, so good. So good, no. man. Thank you. No, go ahead. I'm I want to share one more thing, one yeah, more thing yeah. before, because still people struggle over this good thing about good and, and not realizing that we're not good enough to get to heaven. But one more analogy might help with that also. When you're thinking, what about my neighbor? He's a good person. You know, if you went and found the most expensive home in the country and knocked on their door and you said, excuse me, I'm moving in with you because I'm a good person. What do you think the people would say? No, right? They don't know you. You have no relationship with them. You wouldn't expect them to let you move into their home. Well, the same thing, you know, because God's a good person, that has nothing to do with it. You don't know him. You've never invited him in. You have no right to live at his home. So, you know, it, it's as unreasonable as it is to expect to live at someone's house you don't even know. Why would you expect to live at God's house when you've never asked him, invited him in? He's your creator. He's not your father. You have to invite him in to be a person of his own home. So, you know, anyway, that would, might help someone understand that you can't expect to live at someone's house you don't even know. So, so good. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so, so much. I'm just, I'm blown away by, I'm completely just gotten rocked tonight, but just the people in the chat, I, I know you, maybe you'll go through later, but so many people have gotten saved tonight. So many people have, are getting killed in the chat. They're writing in, they're getting equipped. And so I would love to have you on in the future. I know everyone would want to have you back on in the future if that's something you'd be open to, but man. Of what a what a powerful time before i let you go is there anywhere else i have you i have you linked in the description and i asked everybody earlier if they'll go follow you and make sure they're part of your page but is there anywhere else that they could find you or anywhere that you can send people if they want to be a part of what you're doing and be able to follow your ministry we have we're on uh youtube channel bill weiss tv on our youtube um uh, and we have facebook is i think the same thing bill weiss uh I'm, I don't even know how you get to the Facebook, but you can go on our website, 23minutesinhell.org or um, soulchoiceministries.org. Also, either one of those will get you to our website. 
and that will direct you. But uh, yeah, we have a YouTube channel with all kinds of videos up explaining things and uh, so forth. So that's how and they then I read. wanted to say to people too, some of you that have other questions that you've been asking, I know we obviously can't get to everybody's question. There's 1200 people watching. So to be able to answer and read all the comments, but he does have other books as well. I've read, I've read all of them, but other books that go extensively. And some of you have said, man, I want some to get this down written. Some of these questions I asked, he actually has written down all the verses. You can find them in his book. So I'll challenge some of you to get those books, get those resources. We've condensed all of this, you know, into an hour long, but get those resources because those will help you tell your friends tell your family and I think you know one thing Bill tonight is you've given so many people I know there's people in here and they they're Christians or believers they're going to heaven and you say well what would the message be for them it's a burden to say man this is so serious that I need to begin to open up my mouth about the gospel to friends and family right. I thought about what Paul said Paul said knowing the terror of the Lord I persuade Lord. men so Paul didn't say right. no, knowing the love of God although God loves us and God cares about us but Paul said knowing the terror of the Lord this is why we persuade people and so hearing you it's it's a terrifying thing to think about hell to experience even the demons the way they torment but then I'm thinking this needs to be motivation for us as believers to get up and to begin to share our faith and begin to preach the gospel to right. people right and there's really three good reasons why it's important for a Christian to hear about hell number one when you understand how severe hell is you'll be much more appreciative of your own salvation what you were saved from number two it causes us to walk more in the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord is simply that you read his word daily and obey his word. You have an awe and respect for God when you understand how severe hell is. You will not want to play around with sin. You will not want to compromise. Jesus said, Mark 9, 47, if your eye offends thee, and the word offend means cause your sin, he said, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into life main than in the hell fire. And number three, it'll give you more of a passion for the lost. Like you said, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. When you understand how severe hell is, you'll be more persuasive. You will take more effort. You will not be casual about your prayer. You'll get on your knees and you'll say, Lord, I got to pray for my family member. You'll fast and pray for them. You'll do more than you normally would do because you don't want them to go to hell now that you know how severe it is. That's what it'll do for the Christian. So I hope it has and wake you up, you know, gives you an eternal perspective. We all need to be about the father's business. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on tonight. I'll definitely get in contact with you soon, but I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Honored awesome. to be with you. We'll, talk, we'll talk soon. Right. Take care. All right. Guys, I want to challenge you tonight to sow into what God is doing. I have all the links on the screen. Here's the deal, guys. I'm going to send him a check regardless of what you guys give, whatever you guys sow. I'm going to send him regardless out of my own personal finances, and then I'll send him as well with what you guys are sowing. But I want to challenge you guys, if this touched you, if you got touched tonight like I did, I was extremely moved the entire time he was sharing his story. He was answering questions. So I'm going to sow into him for my personal finances. I'm asking you to help me sow into him by sowing into us, and we're going to make sure that he gets those finances, guys. I want to sow a seed tonight because I honestly believe that there's no more important there's not a more important message right now for the hour that we live in he came on here and just poured out an hour and a half we've been on the phone together since 5 30 an hour and 40 minutes of his time and so i want to send him so please there's links on screen there's paypal links there there's the monthly partnership the one time and then if you're on bill's page there's links right there on screen paypal.me slash isaiah saldivar there's zell there's venmo we give you guys so many different ways that you can give to try to make it as easy as possible so please 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 guys so in tonight to what god is saying to what god is doing i appreciate the time that he takes out we spend a lot of time preparing 
preparing these streams as you guys know these streams take hours to prepare there's a thousand people watching right now if everybody gives something it'll go a long way as you guys know i'm not doing a 45 minute message on on giving or any of that we don't charge for the gospel just so you guys know we don't charge none of you paid to be here tonight every one of you are on here for free it's a labor of love so please if you're able to support what god is doing and sow into this ministry 